place in the lives of people around our country. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7 starts in verse 14, and it says this. And I want you to think about this. I've preached on this in the past, but I want you to think about everything that, that, that is going on. He says this, if my people, this is the people of God, this is God talking to his people. He says, if, so there's the conditional clause, my people, the people of possession, the ones that God owns, the one that God takes care of, the one that God, that, that God has cared for, is caring for. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So I want you to think about this as we begin to think uh, through this process of what it means to be a praying church, what it means to be praying individuals. As a matter of fact, we talked about last week, we said before prayer is this idea of unlocking, prayer is giving us the opportunity to unlock God's power in our lives. As a matter of fact, we need now more than ever, we need God's power in our country. We need God's power in our state. We need God's power in our cities. We need God's power in our marriages, in our schools, in our families, in our homes, in our jobs, and everywhere else. If we would look at that and we begin to understand what takes place, then the result of us being humble and us praying and seeking his face and turning from our wicked ways, then God says, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And so it's important for us to keep this in mind as we begin to move forward. Now, we also know, based upon scripture, that times are gonna get rough, that times are gonna get tough, it's gonna get worse. We know that people are gonna be treacherous, rash, conceited. They're gonna be lovers of evil rather than lovers of good. And we know that those things are gonna take place, especially in the lives of unbelievers. But we also know, based upon scripture, that there are some who claim to be believers that are going to be that way as well. So there are a number of things that we have to begin to understand and begin to unpack and place. And I hope and pray that over the last week, as you've got this, matter of fact, if you're joining us online, you can go to our website, you can download this, you can, you can uh, even if you're watching us online on Facebook, uh, we put a link on there this morning that you could easily download this. But I wanna encourage you that, that as you leave, that you take this very seriously. And here's the reason why. God's work in his church is only as effective as the power of God working in our prayer life. Do you hear that? God's work in his church is only as effective as the power of God working through and in our prayer lives. Matter of fact, this last week, if you noticed anything, this whole idea was our focus on restoration. This idea of God restoring stuff in us, restoring a desire for him. And so we asked him to, to, to give us a heart of surrender. We asked him to give us an attitude of humility. As a matter of fact, we were talking about and, and, and just got done talking about or, or praying over having an attitude of humility when on Wednesday, all hell kind of broke loose in our nation's capital. And we were talking about a passion to serve. And then it just happens to be the next day, Thursday, that we're praying for peace. Peace in a time where peace is oftentimes absent in the lives of most people. We, we prayed for a hunger for God's word. We were praying for purity and holiness. And please hear me out on this. An impure, unholy church or believer will never experience the power of God in it. Never. Unrighteousness, 
unholiness, any sort of impurity, you will never experience, we will never experience the power of God working in that way. Nowhere in, this, in scripture, nowhere in history do we see God go, hey, those people are unrighteous. Hey, those people are unholy. Hey, they're doing whatever the heck they want. So I'm gonna pour out my spirit on them. No, that's called condemnation. God pours out his wrath on those individuals. So we have to begin to understand this. And then today, listen, I, I hope you pray for this, that we would be spirit-filled and spirit-led. We need now more than ever to be led by the Holy Spirit. And now this week, as we're heading into this coming week, we're praying for this idea of renewal. God, would you renew us? And so we're gonna cover things like this. And, and, and I, I hope you hear me out. We're gonna pray for a renewal in our marriages that we would have a, a hunger and a desire and a passion for stronger marriages, not just our own marriages, but for the marriages in our community. We're gonna pray that God would renew our families. So maybe there's some who, are, who are, are walking away or have walked away from the gospel, have walked away from the truth. They've chosen to say, I'm gonna chase after other things. We're praying for God to do a miraculous work in the lives of our families, all right? We're talking about praying for, listen, our local, state, and national government. Now, I know I don't care where you stand politically. I know that the, the, the desire for some is oftentimes to say, why would I do that? Because you're commanded to. Because we as believers are to, regardless of whether we support somebody politically, are still to pray for those who are over us, those who are in political positions or kingships over us. We're going to be praying for financial freedom. We're going to be praying for our friends who need Jesus. We're praying for our community to be transformed. And we're praying that we be a church that makes disciples who make disciples. In other words, that we're going to be a church that multiplies to the extent. Now, I'm going to challenge you this week as you begin to pray, because I'm going to, I want you to pray very specifically when you think about making disciples. Number one, was I discipled? Number two, who am I discipling? Every one of us should have somebody who's investing in us as well as somebody that we're investing in. And I would even say, as you grow and you mature and you get better, that you should have more than one person you're investing in discipling. I think one of the biggest flaws and mis, 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 miscommunicated ideas in the life of the church was people who come in, sitting in a Sunday school class and say, no, it's my Sunday school teacher's job to disciple me and then you don't do anything. Nowhere in scripture is that ever shown. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, when you come and follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. And then he says, if you're gonna follow me, then I expect you to do what I commanded, to go and make disciples. And so we have to begin to understand that we all own a part of this. And so when I say this, if my people who are called by my name, listen, will humble themselves and pray, and then listen, turn from their wicked ways. The idea in American church that I can come in and sit and not be a part of contributing to the body is a false teaching. A matter of fact, if you like to come in and sit on the pew and you don't want to be a part of the church, you're settling for a false idea of Christianity. It is all of our responsibility as a body of believers to be a part of contributing to all of this. And so listen, we want to, and, and hear me out. If you're a person who would say, I want to disciple, but I don't even know where to start. 
Good, that's what we're working towards. Over this next year, we're gonna hammer this sucker out and more and more of you are gonna start to be discipled and more and more of you, I hope, would step up to the plate and say, I want to disciple others as well. That I wanna make sure that I carry this on, that I pass on what has been entrusted to me. So I hope and pray, listen, over the next couple weeks, 21 days of prayer and fasting, that you take it very seriously. Please take it seriously. Matter of fact, there was one night I had to, I mean, I got caught red-handed, completely went brain dead. And I walked in, I'm fixing my bagel, I'm buttering it. And my daughter goes, dad, you're supposed to be fasting for food. And I went, completely forgot. And that'll show you, those are those things that you begin to go, oh man. But at the same time, I also want you to know that in the midst of fasting from TV and social media, that there were some great times where I got to spend some time praying over my family, praying over you, praying over our church, praying over our city. And so I hope and pray that you will be a part of and commit to being a part of this. Listen, my prayer was this, and I said it the first week of the sermon series that there were gonna be three things I was praying for this year, that he would strengthen you and I, that I, he would strengthen you and I with the power through his spirit in our inner selves, in our inner being, in other words, in our spirits, that we would experience, here's number two, that we would experience God's power together. And together is something that we all need to do. We need to experience God's power together. The people of Israel got to experience God's power together. And then number three, that God would do more than we can ask or imagine. Now, I bring that up because I want you to, if you have this card, to draw it out. Restore, renew, revive. And I just want to explain this very simply. And I hope you hear me out in a very clear way. Number one, we never ask any of you to give if you cannot give cheerfully and out of the overflow of your heart. Next week, we're going to have an offering, all right? Next week will be what we'll call a first fruits offering. And I sent out an email this week. We sent out letters to those who maybe are joining us online because they don't feel comfortable coming. But here's what we've asked you to do. We asked you to pray. We presented this back in October to the church. We voted to say, hey, we're gonna get started on updating our bathrooms. We set a goal to raise $100,000 in two years. Now, listen to me. If you wanna talk about a God-sized task, you gotta understand our budget. Our budget has been $100,000 a year. So what we're asking is in two years, not only would we meet our budget for the next two years, but that we would raise an additional $100,000. Now that's a God-sized goal. And I believe it is God's, God, that God is able to do it. But we're also asking you to contribute and be a part of it. And here's how. Number one, you go home and pray. You go home and pray, God, what would you have me to give? On the back of the card, you'll notice that we're asking you to commit to something. Maybe it's weekly. God, I'm gonna give five bucks more a week to this part. So in other words, I'm gonna continue my tithe, but I'm gonna give $5 more a week to the R3 initiative. For maybe it's somebody, it's somebody who says, hey, listen, I can give, and we're, here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna have a first fruits offering next week. The first fruits offering, the idea is this. In the Old Testament, the Israelite people were called to bring in the first fruits, which was the best. Matter of fact, if you go back and you study anything on Cain and Abel, the reason one sacrifice was accepted and the other wasn't was because the first fruits were the first fruits. He brought the best to the table while the other said, I'm just gonna give you a portion. 
And it's not even going to be the best. It's what's left over. And so hear me out when I say this. Next week is a first fruits offering. My wife and I have committed that we're going to give a certain portion to the first fruits. And then we have committed to say, we're going to give this much more every month to this. We're still going to maintain our tithe. But we're bringing in a first fruits offering and then we're going to commit to give so much more. Listen, this is very simple in my opinion. If you can sacrifice two Starbucks a week, that's 20 bucks. Well, close, 16, whatever you're paying, unless you're the cheap one. And I don't know many cheap people who go to Starbucks, no offense, right? You don't go to Starbucks and get like, I just want a cup of coffee. If you wanted to do that, you go to the diner because it's a dollar versus three, okay, all right? But if you could give up two Starbucks a week, if you can give up eating out one meal as a family a week, think of the difference that can be made. We're asking you to invest in the kingdom rather than invest in something else. So we're going to bring in our first fruits offering, and we're going to commit to making a tithe or above and beyond our tithe to this portion. Now, hear me out. If you say, listen, I'm giving the best I can because I want you to also understand this. There's a, a parable where a widow gave one. And Jesus said she gave out of the overflow of her heart. And so she gave more than the person who gave in reality more. So I want you to understand this. It's not based upon how much you give. It's based upon your sacrifice. And I want you to know this, that true change never comes without a sacrifice with the people. True change never came by Jesus not sacrificing. Sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus led to change in all of our lives. And I believe wholeheartedly that he is calling us to sacrifice. So hear me out. Cheerfully, willingly, not with manipulation, not with guilt, not with anything like that. We are asking this is between you and the Lord that you would commit. So next week, here's what we're going to ask you to do. You bring back this thing, name, email, phone, address. I am giving a one-time gift. Listen, it may be, hey, times are tough. My one-time gift is 10 bucks. Is that the best? This is my question. Is that the best? If that's the best, great. Please hear me out. If that's the best, that's your first fruits, there is no reason to be ashamed of any of that. We all together contribute to this, right? First fruits is between you and the Lord. All of this is between you and the Lord, but you're bringing in one-time gift. My family will have this filled out. Our one-time gift, our first fruits offering is gonna be this much. And then at the bottom, total yearly gift, because we're gonna commit to give weekly, monthly, yearly, and then we're gonna commit to our first fruit offering, okay? If you can only afford, hear me out, if you can only afford the once a month, once a week, whatever it is, then you do that. But I want you to understand this. When we talk about the finances, if you'll notice, one of the things we're praying for this week is financial freedom. We become slaves, and the Bible is very clear that we become slaves to the very things that, in reality, own us. And oftentimes, we'll become slaves to money. You know, the Bible also says that money is not the root of all evil, right? It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. So I don't let money dictate and direct everything, but I want to be wise. I want to be financially smart. So listen, as we jump into this, please hear me out. 
Next week, we're going to have time for you to give. We're asking you to bring that card and that commitment. And that's a commitment between you and the Lord. You're just making it public. And we just want to move forward. And here's the goal. If we raise $100,000 over the two-year period, we have that committed. Here's what's going to happen at the end of two years. Number one, we would have completely paid for our remodel, which is roughly about $20,000. We will pay off the $40,000 in debt we currently have because we had to put on new roof on our, sinks, on, our, on our building. That would pay that off. That then gives us $40,000 that we want to put towards local and global missions. So in other words, we're putting our money where our mouth is, right? We want to reach people. What are we doing? We're putting our money where our mouth is. Let's do it. Let's get on board. And then that also gives us some flexibility to look at updating our kids' ministry spaces and getting them up, bathrooms updated and things like that. And so hear me out. $100,000 seems like a big deal, is it not? That's a lot of money. We're, We're trying to raise three years worth of budget in two years. But again, remember, go back to what we're praying for, that God would do more than we could what? Ask or imagine that God would do more than we can ask or imagine. So listen, last week, we focused on God restoring us, and this week, we're focusing on God renewing us. So turn your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4. And I'm actually going to read the first or the last two verses of chapter 3 into chapter 4. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom, okay? So now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. If you and I are believers, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you reflect the Lord's glory. And it says we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we're being transformed, or we're being what? Renewed. Romans says, uh, therefore, in, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, that we are being renewed in every way. So we are rene- being renewed by the Lord. And then chapter four, verse one says this, as a result of being transformed or being renewed into his likeness, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. Now, let me ask this question. I want you to raise your hand and be specific. How many of you this week lost heart? How many of you lost heart? Come on, let's be real. I only saw four people raise your hand. How many of you lose heart? And I don't care where you're at politically, you just lost heart. You're sitting here looking and going, what the heck is wrong with our country? What the heck is wrong with people? Why are we not waking up? Listen to what he says. Do not lose heart. Why? Because we're being transformed. We're being renewed and we have this ministry. So we don't lose heart. Rather, we have renounced, listen, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, It is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as whose servants? 
your servants. For Jesus' sake, for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Please hear me out. When we're talking about renewing us and God renew us, God have your way, that we have to understand this, that renewed people, if you know anything, if you remember anything, I want you to remember this. Renewed people do not give up because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Listen again what he says. Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We do not give up. You don't quit. You don't walk away. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus, not in anything else. And so here, I wanna give you a couple things we're gonna look at today. Number one is this, that God's mercy gives us our ministry. God's mercy gives us our ministry. The reason why we go out and serve other people is because of what? God's mercy. Because God's grace was poured out on me and because I realized that I was a sinner and that I needed, that he was calling me out of the grave and into his marvelous light because of God's grace, because of God's mercy, he has called me into ministry. See, here's the struggle that most pastors have with most people in the pew. Most people in the pew think that a pastor is called to ministry and that we're just supposed to sit around. When that's the farthest thing from the truth. And please hear me out. If and when we begin to press forward and press on and we walk in obedience with the Lord, then we experience God's power in our lives. We experience God's power in our church. We experience God's power in our ministry. So we don't lose heart over what is going on around us because of God's mercy and grace. And listen, here's the good news about this. The state of affairs in Corinth was really bringing on great discouragement for the believers here in this time when Paul's writing this. And I want you to understand, because there were false teachers in the church. Does that sound like anything that's going on in today's world? There were false teachers in the church. There were believers who were remaining silent, who wouldn't take up the the cross, who wouldn't bear the cross. And as they remained silent, they just wouldn't live the gospel out. Does that sound like anything that might be going on today? They had a government that was built on worldly ideologies rather than godly. Does that sound like anything that might be going on today? So Paul comes to him and he's writing this letter and he says, listen, don't lose heart. Don't give up the hope. Don't lose heart over everything that's going on. Matter of fact, I would say this, that what we saw this past week I believe, based upon scripture, will only continue to get more and more chaotic, more and more hate-filled, and more and more unloving. And we as believers have to begin to understand this. And we also have to begin, though, to say, we have to take the responsibility to love those who might look unlovable, to stand on the truth of the gospel, and to reach out to those who need the hope of Jesus Christ. Hope for many. Listen, hope for many. And what I believe we saw this week is this, that hope for many is in the person who sits in the White House or what party is in control of the House and the Senate rather than what their hope should be based upon, which is Jesus Christ. And if our hope is based upon the person who sits in the White House or the party that's in control of the House and the Senate, then what we'll begin to see is this, that we're going to lose hope. Because when the person we voted for or voted against either wins or loses, then we begin to lose hope. 
And here's the problem. When that rises up, those people are always gonna fail us. They're gonna make decisions we don't like. They're gonna lead us in directions we don't want them to lead us. And listen to me, there is a chance and there is a place where we stand for the truth of the gospel. Hear me out. But when we lose hope, because of situations like that, we should realize that our hope is in the wrong things. The first entity or ministry that the Lord created was marriage. Do you realize that? When he created Adam and Eve and he brought them together, the two will become one. The very first entity or ministry the Lord created was marriage. That's why we're asking you to pray for your marriages. The second thing that he brought about was the family. And that's why we're asking you to pray for families. Because listen, the church is only effective as the marriages and the families are strong and obedient and godly. There's the only way the church continues to move forward. The church needs to thrive. The church needs to, to move into the public square in the marketplace. And it's important for us to pray for those. So one of the reasons why we've changed our curriculum in the kids ministry stuff is so that you as parents can take the stuff home and also disciple your kids. And hear me out, church. If we neglect the younger generation, it's over. I'm just telling you, it's over. Might as well fold up shop, walk away, wipe our hands off, and turn everything over to another church that's willing to give and do and sacrifice whatever they can to reach the next generation. We have to reach the next generation. But I want you to understand this. This is not like the old school days where you bring in a bus ministry and bus in kids and reach these kids. It doesn't happen that way. You know how you reach the kids? You reach the families. Your odds of reaching a family, if you reach the father, 93%. If you reach a mother, your odds of reaching the whole family are about 30%. If you reach a kid, your odds of reaching the father and mother are less than 10%. So please hear me out when I say this. Kids ministry is gonna be vital. It's gonna be important. But listen, we have to put our money where our mouth is and also our actions, what we've talked about, we've gotta reach out to those who are in need. We gotta reach out to those that we love, our friends, our coworkers and things like that who don't go to church, who are far from the gospel, who are far from Jesus. And we have to make it our priority to pray for them, to share the gospel with them and ask God, God, can you do more than we can ask or imagine? See, prayer is man's greatest asset and power because the provision of God is at our disposal. Prayer is man's greatest asset and power because the provision of God is at our disposal. Number two, I want you to think about this. We said, number one, God's mercy gives us ministry. Number two, we must deny the old self and stand on the new life that Jesus gives us. Listen to what he says again. Verse two, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. See, in reality, the secret ways or the shameful ways usually are the things that we keep hidden from everybody else, but the Lord knows. 
So he says we must renounce those secret or shameful ways. So why? Because we don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we condemn ourselves or commend ourselves, sorry, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, listen, here's the priority of the church. The priority of the church is not to have more of the world in it, but is to have more of Jesus in it. That we don't cater to the whims of the world and what the world says is most effective and what the world says the way things should go, but rather, no, we commend ourselves only to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we commend ourselves to the calling that he set forth for us. So we don't, we renounce the secret ways, we renounce the sin, we walk away from it, we don't give in to those things, that we renounce those things and we walk obediently into what God has called us to do. See, the gospel, listen, what he says in verse four, the gospel is veiled by Satan who was working overtime to battle against the Lord's ministry. Remember what I said the first week, I said, we wanna pray prayers that are prayers of combat, prayers that are taking back enemy territory. And if you think Satan's just gonna go, okay, here you go, no battle, no fight, I'll give it over. We've got another thing coming. Satan is not going to give up enemy territory without a fight. And if you think he won't fight even to try and start fights within the church, we've got another thing coming. We have to be ready for every tactic, every scheme, and every play that Satan wants to play against us. You know, as we go into the playoffs, NFL playoffs started yesterday. We didn't ask you to fast from TV on Saturday or Sunday. So you should thank us for that. No, I'm just joking. All right, okay. But the coaches plan. They plan ahead. They scheme, they devise. They're working and looking at what the defense is saying. They're working and looking at what the offense is showing in the past of what they did. And they scheme and they devise schemes to try and stop the enemy. And if you think Satan's not gonna do the same thing, when we try and devise plans to reach those who are lost, We've got to understand that Satan is going to work overtime to try and defeat us in every way possible. That's why, listen to me, that's why it's important that we take part in the praying. And I hope and pray that this, that over this 21-day period, that after 21 days, it doesn't stop. That you develop a habit, maybe a weekly habit to say, this is what I'm praying for. And maybe your prayers get more specific and maybe your fasting becomes longer. Maybe there's a point in time where you say, I'm not gonna fast one day, but I'm gonna fast two days from food and ask God to do a supernatural work in my life for God to reveal something to me. Listen, we're praying for our friends. We're praying for family members. We're praying for people who don't know Jesus, who need Jesus. We're praying for our government officials. And so again, going back to this, that God would do more than we can ask or imagine. Are you praying God-sized prayers? Or are you praying at all? And I hope and pray that you're joining with us. And number three is this. And I'm gonna jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. We don't lose heart. We just talked about a little bit about this. God's mercy gives us our ministry. Number two, we said we must deny the old self and stand on the new life that Jesus gives us. But number three, we have to understand this because renewed people don't give up because our hope is in Jesus Christ. We don't lose heart. Look at verse 16. 
He says, therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. You get that idea? Being renewed day by day. That as I pray, as I fast, as I seek the Lord in his word, that he renews me day by day. Outwardly, our earthly bodies are passing away. A matter of fact, for those of you who don't know, two years ago this morning, my dad passed away. It's been two years. And it's one of those things that I look back and I was like, man, I miss all these things about talking to my dad about hanging with my dad, hunting with my dad, going to him to gain wisdom and advice. But I also know this. Scripture is very clear that you and I outwardly, guess what? You're wasting away. You could tell your neighbor, you're wasting away, <laughs> but, right? Okay, you and I are wasting away. Outwardly, our bodies are failing. Our earth is failing, all of those things are playing out, but we don't lose heart because outwardly we might be wasted away, but listen, inwardly God wants to renew us day in and day out. Listen to what he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen to me and hear me out when I say this. Our goal and our desire is to be focused on what is in eternal, not internal. We want to be focused on what is eternal and what we can't be seen versus what is seen. Most of us look at what's going on in our society. Most of us look what's going on in independence and maybe even around us at work and we go, this is what I see and this is what I know. And so this is how I walk by faith. When Jesus is saying, stop looking at what is seen and start looking at what is unseen. Take your eyes off of the circumstances you see before us and put them on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's the only way we don't lose heart. That's the only way we move forward. That's the only way, listen to me, that we are able to take this building and use it for God's glory and God's kingdom. That we are able to take this temple that is the, 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 the temple of the Holy Spirit and use it for God's glory and God's kingdom. Those are the things that we have to press in on. Those are the things that God wants to renew in us day in and day out. So we don't lose heart. That we become obedient in everything. And so my question is this. As we wrap up, are you willing to sacrifice and change for the good of the gospel? Are you willing to commit to say, I am willing to do whatever it takes to see people come to Jesus? Are you willing to say that I will stand on the word of God, that we will set forth the truth plainly to those that we have relationships with so they can hear the good news of the gospel? Are you willing to commit to say, God, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to lay everything on the line to not just follow you through your word, but to follow you to the point that I'm willing to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
I'm willing to take the gospel to my coworkers. I'm willing to take the gospel to my neighbors. I'm willing to take the gospel to my family members who I know need Jesus. I'm willing to take the gospel to the people who live across the street who I know don't know Jesus. Are you willing? Are you committed? Are you sold out? Are you in? Are you all in? Because that's the call I believe that Jesus is laying before us. When we talk about unlocking God's power in our lives, in order for us to unlock God's power in our lives, holiness and purity, which is obedience, is going to be first and foremost, needs to be first and foremost in everything. And so listen, I I wrapped up with this quote last week and I really wanna wrap up with it again this week because I believe that doing the work of the Lord involves with dealing with people and the Lord, listen, will give us the strength we need for the work. And when I talk about dealing with people, I'm talking about dealing with people who aren't gonna act like you or think like you or maybe have different political points of view than you, or maybe have different ideologies about what's going on, when we interact with people who are far from Jesus, they're going to look differently. They're going to act differently. They're going to think differently. And the only one who changes their thought process and their actions is the Holy Spirit. So listen to me, I ended with this quote. To get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. That's a quote from Billy Graham. That if we want to see nations get back on their feet, then we must first get down on our knees. Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to fast? Are you willing to commit to say, I am all in? We're all in. Because I look at our location and I think about our building and I know of the building, listen to me, is not the church. We are the church but I think about the prime location on the corner, on a busy street, in neighbor, surrounded by neighbors and neighborhoods that don't know Jesus, that aren't thinking about going to church. And I say, why not us? Why not now? God, would you have your way? God, will you use us in a great way? It's gonna take sacrifice and it's gonna take change. But God, use me. And I hope that's your prayer. Father, we pray today, this morning, that God, you would drop us to our knees, that we'd have a heart and a desire for those who are lost and dying and going to hell to know who you are, to know the goodness and the good news and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. God, may we lay it all on the line. When we lay down our lives, when we sacrifice for those who are far from you, Will we change our thought processes to be obedient to what you have called us to do? God, may we look at the sacrifice and say, God, whatever it takes. And God, I pray, just as we think about this R3 thing, I pray that our focus is not just on a building, that the building does not become the priority, but that the people are. The people that are lost and then dying, who don't know Jesus, who are are walking a path that leads to destruction rather to light. God, we know that's the purpose that you sent your son first and foremost. That's the purpose that you've redeemed us, that you've given us a ministry because of your mercy. And so Lord, may we take that to heart. 
Give us a heart for the nations. Give us a heart for those who are lost. Give us a heart for those who are hurting. And help us be a light in a dark time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.